I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is through him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Hey, you want to sing it? Sing it with us. Here we go. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. And uh, wow. Uh, so you're wondering why I'm up here and Pastor Tom's not. So this is, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, right? So this is how I'm appreciating our pastor. I said, you get a, you get a weekend off. Not that I, that, that I have the authority to give him a weekend off, but I said, I, you know, I've got one, uh, a message that I can give. And uh, if you want to take off and go somewhere, you know, take off and do it. And so he is uh, at Red Rock Canyon with his youngest son. Yeah, yeah, isn't that great? Just the two of them. So he texted me last night, and he said that the night before that, Friday night, it was 37 degrees. And I thought, that's good, that's good. 
that, that, you know, that's really good. And so it made me happy to see that he's in 37 degree temperature in the middle of the night. It's good for him. Builds character. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be here today. And uh, he is here. He's here right now. And I just pray, Lord God, that, uh, that your words through your Holy Spirit would just uh, uh, come out of my lips. And Lord God, that they be your words and not my words. And Father, that you would give each person here ears to hear. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so uh, yeah, victory in Jesus. Who knows that we have victory in Jesus? Raise your hand. If you know that you have victory in Jesus, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Victory in Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have victory. So when I think of victory, immediately I think of the Dodgers, <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> I know I have to. I've got to get this off my chest. So uh, I'll feel better whenever I do this. So um, I felt better doing it through the first service, and I'll feel even better now. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just, I was just so sad to see that happen again. How many years, that's six years in a row, they've, they've gone to, the, to almost the final, and then it's just seven years in a row? Oh, my. Oh, my. But, you know, and there's always next year, right? Always next year. I, I almost wore my Dodger jersey today. Then I thought, no, I'll wear a Raider jersey, and I'd never want to do that. And then, uh, so, uh, anyway, I'm just wearing my regular shirt. But, uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, I was just so sad to see Kershaw. And, anyway, I won't even go there. But, uh, victory. We all love victory, right? Everybody loves victory. Overcomer. I've heard that word used a lot lately. It's kind of a popular word around church. Overcomer, being triumphant, the champion, the winner. Who doesn't like to win? I don't know anybody that doesn't like to win. That's kind of what we do is we, we go out and we try to win. And we strive to be on the winning side. So when I think of winning, I have to also think of defeat. And it brings me to a 1970s little video that I'd like to show. And it talks about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I have to show it. I have to show it. Okay, let them roll. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat. The human drama of athletic competition. is ABC's Wide World of Sports. We grew up on, a lot of us grew up on that stuff. You know, I remember that. And a lot of you never heard it before, but it's something that, uh, that we watched. Uh, as you can see, the analog television, uh, that they, we thought that was clear back in the 70s. Okay, we'd watch that. Oh, how clear that was. It was high tech. It was great. Now we look at it and it's like, I can't even see this stuff. Anyway. Yeah, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Isn't it so true? I like victory. I like winning. Um, uh, I, I don't think I would have my job if I didn't like winning. Uh, they would find somebody else that likes winning. I like being victorious. I like to, you know, get the, uh, the trophy. <laughs> uh, but who doesn't? Everybody wants the trophy, and they're giving the trophy out to everybody these days. Um, uh, so I guess everybody wins, right? That's for another sermon. We'll do that another time. We won't go into that today. But uh, victory is really essential 
uh, to our health and happiness. And if we, you know, if we're not victorious every now and then, I mean, it could really be kind of kind of gray in our lives without having that victory. Um, victory can be unhealthy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it reminds me of a, uh, a, a longtime family friend, and, and he's, he's probably, I'd say he's probably about 45 years old, but I knew him back when he was in high school, and I was a youth director in high school ministry, and, and this guy uh, was funny because he loved the Raiders. He still loves the Raiders. He's such a Raider fan. And back then, if the Raiders would lose, he would just, he would just come apart. I mean, just come apart. The Raiders, his team lost, and he, he would just, I mean, he, he was really weird about that, but it's, it's what he did, and he would go into his, into his room, his bedroom, his parents allowed him to do it, and he would play video games for like five hours until he felt better, and then he would emerge back out, and then he'd get on with his day, but, uh, but the funny thing is, is that he kept doing that whenever he was married, <laughs> and uh, his wife didn't really like it all that much. I don't think he does that today because he's still married, so that's a sign he doesn't do that anymore. But, uh, you know, it's amazing how, how it can cause us to go into depression whenever we lose and lose and lose. And so uh, it's a weight, and that weight can end up being a, a chain of bondage around us because we feel like we're always losing no matter what we do. Uh, spousal abuse. You know, I, I, I think of, uh, I heard this statistic back a while ago about the Super Bowl and uh, that, that uh, the Biggest day of spousal abuse in, in the year is on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's the losing team's husband's, uh, what is spouse, that generally is the one that is getting abused because his team lost. Can you f- imagine that? But that's, that's true. Um, and living in defeat, what does it do? It steals your joy. Nobody likes living in defeat. I feel like you're just always being kicked down. And, and I think that a lot of us from time to time feel that way, that we're always being kicked down. And uh, you, you just wonder, you know, when am I going to start being victorious? So team sports, one team wins, another team loses. So what I'd like to do is always to be on the winning team. I mean, don't you? I mean, whenever your team loses, then you just automatically go to a team that wins, right? You know, what's your favorite team? Oh, I don't know. Who's winning? Oh, that's the team I want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for that team this year. So, uh, you know, I, I, I actually I've done that before. Uh, I did that for many years with the Rams. You know, the Rams, they were always my winning team back whenever I was uh, younger. And uh, well, actually, it was because they moved out of L.A. and then I kind of lost interest. But, uh, uh, you know, so whenever your team doesn't please you, then, you know, a lot of people will go to a team that does please them because we're attracted to the winning team. I think about uh, Cody Kessler. He's a high school product that, uh, that went to USC. He was Bakersfield High School, uh, Centennial High School, I believe, is where he went. And then he ended up playing for USC, was a, was a real champion there, and then he got put on a, a team that wasn't a winning team. So he was a winning player, but on a team that, that lost a lot. And, then, uh, and that was kind of hard for him, and then he ended up going over to a couple of other teams after that. Uh, eventually, and this is just recent, within the past week I read that he went and now is playing for the Patriots. So all of a sudden, this guy that has been playing on these losing teams, now he's playing on a winning team. How cool is that? You know what? All of a sudden, he may end up getting a Super Bowl ring because he was transferred to the right team. So anyway, go figure. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, one thing I've noticed about the Patriots is that they believe in winning. They know how to win. 
And so as a result of that, they had the attitude of a champion. There are a lot of other teams where the players have attitudes of teams that lose all the time. And so that attitude is something that carries on after a period of time, and, and they don't win because they don't believe that they can win. So, oh, and by the way, Cody Kessler, I, I want you to know that a lot of people confuse me uh, with being his dad because my last name is Hessler and Kessler, and if you have my first name, Kirk Hessler, it sounds like Kirk Kessler. And so I get that all the time. So they say, Kirk, how's your son doing, you know, on the team? And I, I say, what team? Uh, yeah, Cody. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. Oh, his dad's a lot younger. How do you know how old I am? <laughs> yeah? Ah. Okay, that's pretty funny. So, uh, but I feel better now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's. <laughs> No, that's, that's fine. So anyway, but I'm here to tell you today, talk a little bit about defeat, and, uh, uh, but I'm here today to talk about victory, about victory, victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus does not mean that we will be victorious, okay? The term is not future tense. Victory in Jesus is not future tense. It is present tense because Jesus has already won, Okay? If we were thinking that we were going to be victorious because of Jesus, it doesn't work like that because Jesus won the war 2,000 years ago. He won the battle. He's already won. So we can pick and choose which team we want to be on, and we already know who the winner is. Okay, so what we need to do is to focus on being on the right team and not the losing team. Amen? You're free to say amen if you, if you feel so desired, so don't be ashamed. The pastor's not here today, so we had an unruly crowd in the first service, so you, know, you can kind of let your hair down. And, and the pastor's wife was here watching. She's not even here watching, so you can get a little crazy if you want to. But, but I tell you what, we need to make sure that we're on the right team. Uh, I want to be on team Jesus. I don't want to be on team devil or team Satan because there's no middle ground. It's one or the other you know, sometimes it's hard to feel victorious. Sometimes it is just hard to feel victorious. You get out of bed and you don't feel victorious. You go to work, you don't feel victorious. You come home and, you know, you don't feel victorious. But you are. And the problem is, is that we're, 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 we're looking at victory as to how we feel. And it's not about feelings. You are victorious regardless of how you feel. Okay, so a lot of times we look at how we feel and say, I don't feel victorious. Well, la-di-da. You don't have to feel victorious. It's just like being married and saying, I don't feel like, I don't feel uh, like, well, I don't feel like I love you today. You know, I don't feel it. It's not about that. Love isn't about feelings. Okay, you're married and you love somebody. It's more than feelings. It's beyond feelings. Well, being victorious in Jesus is the same way. You are victorious because you're on his team. So when we get out of bed in the morning, we need to say, I'm on team Jesus. I need to be victorious. I am victorious. That's just the way it is. Well, I don't feel victorious. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you've won because Jesus won. We're on the winning team not on the losing team. So we don't need to walk around moping all day long thinking that I feel this way or I feel that way. 
We're on the winning team, folks. So how do you think? Well, do you think victory or do you think defeat? A lot of this is in our heads, you know. A lot of it's in our heads. We think victory or we think defeat. Do you believe? In fact, did I even say that? Did I read 1 Corinthians 15, 57? I don't think I did. I'll read it right now. So do you believe this? I'm going to read this. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there it says he gives us victory through Jesus. That's a promise. That's a promise because it's happened. So all you have to do is pick out which team you're going to be on. Do you believe that? So what does your self-talk say? Does your self-talk tell you that you're victorious? Or does your self-talk look and think a different way? If you're already defeated in your mind before you start, then chances are you'll be defeated when you're finished. Okay? You've got to change the way you think. Okay? So if we think defeated, we most likely will be defeated. So listen to this. I have a, a, a couple of PowerPoints. First one is mental defeat can come in many different ways. I picked five. Five ways. Number one is personal experience. Personal experience. We've lost to this team five times in a row. Most likely, we're not going to beat them the sixth. Okay? That is a negative, negative thought, negative attitude. You're already, you're already saying we're most likely going to get beaten. But does it have to happen? No, it doesn't. But a lot of it is the attitude. It's how we look at it. If you already think that you're going to get beaten, most likely you will. You know? Think different. External influence. The external influence, mental ways, uh, mental defeat can come in many ways. External influence is a big one. When somebody comes up to you, especially if it's a loved one, especially if it's a dad or a mom, whenever you're little, and they say, you're dumb. You're stupid. Why do, why do you do things like that? You're nothing but a pain. Maybe, maybe it, it happened at work. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe, I mean, all these different external things that can happen in your life all of a sudden tells you something and you start believing what they're saying whether it's true or not doesn't matter if it's your reality if you think it's a reality it's a reality even though it may not be true it may be your reality because people have told you that all your life but it doesn't have to be true but it's what you believe so if you believe something else then that'll be your new reality the next thing unrealistic and inflexible goals it's like running a marathon. If I wanted to run a marathon today, I wouldn't make it. I will guarantee you that. It's not a, a defeatist attitude. It's that I have not prepared for it. Um, uh, my son, uh, Matt, he uh, called my wife and I a couple of days ago. And, and uh, uh, we were sitting there in the evening. It was dark out. And I, and I, I, heard, I heard him breathing heavily. And we said, and we heard wind blowing, and we said, Matt, is that you? As it said, Matt, it had his name right there on the phone. He said, yeah, I'm running. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working out. I'm going to do a half marathon, and uh, I'll be over at the house in a little while. Are you guys going to be home? Because I, w- I need a ride home. And I said, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll, be, we'll be here. And, and, and you know, he says, okay, bye. And he's, he's running as he's talking to us on the phone. 
and, uh, and he's preparing for that marathon, so, or that half marathon. So whenever he gets prepared, he ran nine miles that night, and I think he's getting pretty close. What is it, 13 miles? 13 miles, I believe, in order to uh, run a half marathon. So he's getting pretty close. So that's a realistic goal for him. For me, it, it, it could be realistic if I was working out. Eventually, I could get there. But don't set unrealistic goals because that's one way that we can feel defeated whenever we set goals that are, that are unrealistic to try and make. Comparing yourself to others is another biggie where we go around and we try to compare ourselves to others. TV is a big thing where we, especially, you know, younger people, even older people, it doesn't really matter, but any of us can watch TV and all of a sudden start comparing ourselves. Uh, you know, here I'm 64 years old and I can't compare myself and my physique, you know, my physique today to some of those young guys I see on TV. I don't think I could compare whenever I was their age anyway. So, uh, but the point is, is that we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people. If we're always doing that, then we're going to have really go back to unrealistic expectations. Um, and then uh, the unrealistic expectations, uh, other one is uh, the one that I'm thinking of the most is finances. So, uh, and, and this isn't 100% true, but being in the banking world, I, you know, I deal with finances all the time. And uh, also being a parent, I remember how it was whenever my kids were younger and especially the next generation coming up is that they have expectations that are unrealistic financially because they see what their mom and dad have and they want that now. You know, and they're upset that they don't have it now. And, uh, uh, and, and they, they don't think about that it took their mom and dad a lifetime to get financially or to have their home stable or the things that they're enjoying today. They didn't get them just instantly like that. They had to work hard for it. So that's one of the things that I see too, especially in a younger generation, is having unrealistic expectations when it comes to finances. So when we are accustomed to failure and defeat, it gives us a defeatist attitude about ourselves and about our faith and about everything that there is, a defeatist attitude. The glass is always half empty, the glass is never full, and it's woe is me. Everything is pointing at them, woe is me. I don't feel good, I don't feel like I'm in victory, and the glass is half empty. So what can we do about it? Next, uh, next slide. So what can we do about this? Know who your enemy is, number one. If you're, if you're in a battle, you want to know everything you can know about your enemy. What's your enemy like? How are they going to attack? In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Remember that your enemy is the devil. Your guys, your merry guys, your enemy is not your wife. Okay? Uh, women who are married, your enemy is not your husband. Your enemy is the devil. And so you need to remember that there's a battle going on for us in a realm that we can't see. Okay? It's a realm that we can't see. So we need to make sure that we understand that the people that are around us, your, 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 your boss, it may be a, another, uh, it may be your neighbor. Uh, maybe he's throwing junk from his yard into your yard and you're mad and you don't like the guy and so on and so on and so on. They're not your enemy. The enemy is the devil. So that's where you need to start. You need to understand who your real enemy is. Know what the devil's mission is. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Amen. 
Number three, know the devil wants you defeated. He wants you broken, and he wants you beaten and defeated. As a follower of Christ, the devil wants you to believe you are worthless, hopeless, helpless, hapless, a loser, afraid, ugly, dumb, too heavy, too thin, too old, too young, too sick, tired, and defeated. And I stopped there because we could go on all day long. Okay? That's how he wants you to feel. Matthew 5.13 says, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Let me tell you, people, when it comes to the devil making you feel defeated, if you are defeated, how can you be the salt of the earth? How can you have the saltiness that, that they're talking about in this scripture when it comes to other people? How can you be the light of the world? Because you're walking around in defeat all day long. Let's be victorious in Jesus. Let's stand firm on why Jesus came to this earth. To give us victory, not to give us defeat. Know that the devil is a liar. John 8.44 says, He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and, for the father, and is the father of lies. When people say you're dumb, don't believe them. When people call you names and people make fun of you, or, or uh, you know, sometimes it's you doing that to yourself. Sometimes you're your biggest critic, not somebody else. We need to stop it. Okay, we need to stop it. We need to draw a line in the sand. We need to stop being so harsh on ourselves. You know what? God made each one of us for a purpose, and we're all different. That difference doesn't mean that you're anything less than anybody else. It just means you're who you are. God made you for a reason, and God has a purpose for you. Because he made you that way, there is a reason for it. There's a purpose. We need to find out what that purpose is and serve him accordingly. Otherwise, we will go around defeated all the time. And last one. No God wants to transform your thinking. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to conform to the world. He wants you to not look at him. He wants you to look at the pleasures that run out there that trap us and snare us and get us to be defeated because we're not walking in God's victory. So, now Jill was, uh, my wife Jill, she was uh, doing her Bible study a couple days ago and she had the uh, Life Application Bible out and has all these footnotes and she sent me an email. I was at work and she said, read this because I was telling her about the sermon I was writing and uh, it said, uh, the devil's plans. I changed it to the devil's playbook just because it sounded better with what I was saying. And uh, so the devil's playbook. So here's, here's, here's his playbook in order to trip us up and get us to go in the wrong direction. Number one is he wants us to doubt. He wants us to doubt God. He makes you question God's word and his goodness. And when did that happen? It happened with Adam and Eve. They doubted. You know, God gave them direction and they doubted and they went a different way. 
And that's what brought sin into this world. So they doubted. Number two, discouragement makes you look at your problems rather than God. Discouragement. And it's, it comes because we're looking at us instead of looking at him. We look at us for the answers. We look at other people for the answers. You know, and, some, and if we're going to the right people, that's okay. But a lot of times we go to the person at work and we say, what do you think of this? And before you know it, we as a Christian, we're asking you know, from people that, that really we shouldn't be asking these things from because what do they know? They're, they're, they're not the word. They're not even Christians a lot of times. And we're trying to get counsel from somebody that we shouldn't be. So we need to make sure that we talk to the right people. Diversion makes the wrong things seem attractive so that you will want them more than the right things. Diversion. And he sends diversions our way every day. We need to understand that when a diversion comes, we know what it is. And if you're not in the word, how are you going to know what it is? You're going to think it's the real thing. It's not. It's a fake. It's a lie. And all of a sudden, we get trapped. Diversion. We need to stand firm and understand God's, what God wants for us. Defeat makes you feel like a failure so that you don't even try. Oh, I've lost five times in a row to this. There's no way I can make it the sixth time. Uh, I'm just going to lose again. Delay, and this, this one here is huge. Delay makes you put off doing something so it never gets done. How many times have you done that? How many times have you put off the important things in life to take care of the things that are urgent? And those urgent things don't even really amount to much. You know what's important? And God tells us, Jesus tells us, God and people. You, me, God. Because we're eternal. Those are the things that are most important. So when it comes to things about, about our relationship with God, that needs to be number one. Number two is taking care of people, loving people. You know, let's be the salt of the earth. How can you be the salt of the earth if you're going around not loving people? We need to do that. That's probably the most important way to witness our faith is by loving people. Number one, yeah, I can't get up and work and start, you know, preaching the gospel. I can, but they don't know I'm doing it. Um, they know, some know, but I can do that. But, you know, you've got you, you to be careful. Uh, or I could lose my job. And if I did, well, God would find me another one, wouldn't he? Yeah. So, you know what? Let's not put off doing things that are important and swap them with things that are not important. There is victory in Jesus, folks. So without Jesus, do we have victory? No. Without Jesus, there is no victory. How can there be victory without Jesus? Because we're talking eternity here. Okay, the only victory that there really is is in Jesus. And I want to be on Jesus' team. I don't know about you. I think I do. You want to be on Jesus' team here, right? It's, it's why you're here. The victory I'm speaking about happened 2,000 years ago when Christ defeated the devil at the cross. Three days earlier, when Jesus was crucified and died at the cross, the devil thought he was victorious. He saw Jesus hanging on the cross after he was falsely accused, condemned, beaten, mocked, nailed to a cross, pierced, and ultimately died. The devil was busy making his, de uh, making his plans with Jesus out of the way. Can you imagine the victory lap 
that the devil and all of his demons were making. You can just imagine. They thought that they had won. Their celebration lasted for three days, 24-7. I imagine it was quite a party. Then it happened. Jesus rose from the dead. Death and sin was conquered, and Satan was defeated. The demonic wailing and gnashing of teeth must have been tremendous. Jesus' resurrection beat the devil for all of eternity. Until the resurrection, mankind had no possible way to reconcile with God. But, John 3.16 comes along. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It all boils down to the lyrics of the children's song that goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The message is simple. It's simple message. But it's not easy to do whenever we have a devil that is continuing to hammer at us. But it is possible to be victorious because of what Christ did on the cross. And that's what we need to cling to. None of the other stuff. So, uh, so we have... Uh, 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 Jesus' death and resurrection gives us power over the devil and over his demons. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, of my brother. Uh, and, and, and whenever I have God in my life, God protects me, he guides me, he helps me, he directs me, and I have to have the ears to be able to hear what he's saying. If I'm not listening, then I'm not going to be able to tell what he's saying. So it kind of reminds me of school. Uh, back when I was real little, in fact, my brother, I called him, Yesterday, and I asked him for, uh, uh, if I could use his name. I want to use his name and tell you the story. But I wanted to tell a couple of stories that he might not want me to tell. So I had to tell him what the stories were. And then he said, oh, yeah, use them. That's fine. I said, okay, so I'm going to use your name. So I want you to, to tune in in a couple of weeks to our, our website. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, you'll be able to, to uh, listen to the sermon. So really, my whole intent was to get my brother to hear the sermon. Uh, so Dana, if you're listening, I need you to listen to the whole sermon. Don't, don't quit at this point. So, uh, anyway, Dana, yeah, my brother. Uh, so my brother was a, uh, uh, he was two and a half years older than me and he picked on me a lot. I got a little bullying from him and I won't go into all the details, but I can tell you that my brother was an excellent shot, whether it was with a, with a bow and arrow, whether it was with a gun or whether, like a BB gun or pellet gun or with a rock. Uh, he, he had an arm that, uh, uh, up until the time that they stopped measuring this, he could throw a softball under the goal, uh, of our high school and throw it to the upright on the other side of the football field. So that's an arm. And he used my head as a recipient of rocks and other types of, uh, instruments, including a softball in my head. And so if you see indentations, it's gotta be from my brother. You hear that brother? So uh, anyway, so, but uh, uh, I, I will tell you, the first day of school when I was in high school, my brother was there. Again, he was a senior, I was a freshman, and I was really kind of scared to go to high school for the first time, my first day, and I didn't know that many people, but I knew my brother. And so uh, these people start coming up to me, these other kids who I thought they were all really cool and I was a nobody, and they come up to me and they would say, they would say, Hey, aren't you, aren't you Dana's little brother? And I say, yeah. And I say, oh, man, that's cool. And all of a sudden, I felt like, huh, now it pays to be my brother's brother, you know? 
And, uh, and, so, and, and, and so he protected me in a sense, and, and I had that comfort. And that's kind of what God does with us, is that if we're on his team, then he's going to want to make sure that we're taken care of. And that's exactly what he does. Now, based on God's word, Christ's victory is our victory. God has no intention of allowing you to lose. He doesn't want you to lose. He wants us to win. God's word does not say that we, have to, uh, that we won't have struggles. Uh, you know what? It rains on the just and the unjust. The devil continues to pound, us, pound away at us, and there are some days where we just say, God, are you really there? You know, there have been times I've shaken my fist at God, literally, and uh, wasn't very happy. And sometimes it seems that he's a million miles away. But then, you know what? Then he shows me a sign. He does something that could be in a song. It could be in what somebody says. It could be reading a scripture. Uh, it could be uh, uh, where he will let you know uh, that he's there and he loves you and will never forsake you. So, you know what? If there are times in your life where you feel like you're at the end of your rope, I think we've all been there from time to time. And, it, you know, you can't question your love for God. But sometimes we look at our own situation instead of looking at how God can get us out of it. The question is, do you have the spiritual ears to hear what he's saying? This victory is something that God gives each and every one of us. We don't have to earn it. It's something that's free, just like our salvation. So we may boldly proclaim victory is in Jesus. Victory is in Jesus during hardship, during illness. So I guess the question is, do you have victory in Jesus? Yeah, each one of us do. Each one of us. So why do we go around moping all the time, thinking that the glass is half empty? Why do we allow the enemy to gain a foothold in our lives by believing in his lies? Why do we focus on the negative? And what if it's in life that usually never, that never happens? Why do we spend our energy focusing on the past or the future and not enough time dealing with what is important today? Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. John 16.33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Remember, Jesus is Lord of all including Lord over all this world's troubles. In Philippians 2.9, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's all about walking in his victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. There is victory. Words and thoughts such as loser, hopeless, failure, need to be replaced with victorious, conqueror, overcomer, and triumphant. That can establish a pattern of success, joy, and peace in our lives. These words are part of God's plan for those who receive and follow his son, Jesus Christ. We need to start believing. We need to start believing the truth and stop listening to the lies of the devil. You know, this morning, before I came to, uh, before I came to uh, church, actually it was last night, and, and God gave me just one word. He said this. He said, believe. It's just believe. There's power here. So, if there's power here and power that, that is within reach, we have to believe it. And the next thing is that we have to trust. 
that what God's word is is real. We have to trust him. And the next thing is that we need to walk. Okay? We can't just stand there believing and trusting and not doing anything. We have to do something. So I'm going to show you a little, little example. I did this. I had to speak a message, a different message at the men's group on Saturday, and I used this, and I wanted to use this again. So here's kind of how it works when it comes to sin in our lives and us gravitating toward, toward maybe doing some of the things from the old ways and, and uh, instead of moving more toward God. And I have this jar, and in this jar, there's a number of different kinds of candy. There's a Hershey's in here, a Snickers, a Kit Kat bar, a Twix, and a Mounds, my favorites. And uh, most likely, unless somebody comes up and takes these uh, before you leave today, uh, I'm going to give these out uh, on uh, Halloween, I guess, maybe to my grandkids because they're the only ones that come over. Um, but uh, they'll end up rating us of all of our candy. So uh, I reach my hand in here, and each one of these represents a sin. You know, it could be uh, idolatry, uh, it could be uh, uh, porn, it could be, uh, let's see here, what else could it be? It could be uh, uh, stealing. Let's see here. Oh, look at this, mounds. What is this mounds? Uh, maybe it's idolatry, we'll just say that. So I have the mounds here. I've got it in my hand. But then I understand these things as a Christian, Christian man, I understand these things that, that God's word says. I understand that it's my choice to walk in victory or to not walk in victory. Okay, it's my choice. So I'm thinking, well, I need to stop, you know, stop the idolatry. There are things that I'm putting ahead of God in, in my life. And, uh, well, I know that I can't get my hand out of here. But I've got this mounds here, but I, okay, so I need to open my hand up and let the candy out. Well, it's not candy, it's, it's idolatry. So if I open my hand up and the idolatry falls in the jar, then I'm going to be able to pull my hand out and I'll be free. Okay, let's try it. I, don't, I really don't want to let go. Okay, because I like that. I like that. Okay? I don't really want to let go. I want to hang on to it. And I know that, that if I'm going to walk in, in Christ, then I have to let go of some of these things in my life. But that's really sweet. I love this one. It's really good. And I don't want to let it go. But I'm preaching a sermon today. So I think I better let it go. I still don't want to let it go. But I'm going to let it go. But I'll, I know I'll be free. And that, folks, is what we have to do. Is let go of those things that we want to hang on to and be free of it. That's how we do it. God will give us all the tools to get there. Everything. He'll give us everything, but we have to do our part. We have to let go of those things that we're holding so close to because that's what's hurting us. It's those sinful things in our lives. And for us, they're all different. Okay? They're all different. We have to sort them out, let go, and allow God to heal us from all that stuff. Amen? Amen. We're going to have victory. We have victory. Not going to. Okay, it's not future tense, it's present tense. We have victory. We need to live in that victory and let go of those things. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward.
Victory in Jesus. God gives us victory. He makes us more than conquerors. He makes us triumphant overcomers. And he brings us these victories through Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Let's be the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. Because that's where things can happen. Not just in here, but whenever we go out, wherever we go, if we're planting those seeds. Let's be victorious in Jesus. So I want to read just, just a couple things here. Just a couple scriptures. Because I think it just, we just need to be reminded of that. You can never go wrong by preaching the gospel. So in Romans 3.10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not one. Not one of us is righteous. We all need God. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned, all of us, we've all sinned, and fall short of God's glorious plan for our lives. We've all sinned. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, which I deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord where we get the victory. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke 15.10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the word repent, I don't hear about that word much anymore. People, people like, I mean, it's, we're saying we're sorry. We're admitting guilt. And a lot of people don't like that. It's uncomfortable. That's why I'm saying it, because we need to address it. We need to repent before God. Even as Christians, when we sin, we need to go back to him and repent of those areas in which we need to be cleansed, and he will clean us and make us as white as snow. Amen to that. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now put us on his team, the winning team. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the plan. That's the plan, folks. Stick with it. Never let it drip through your fingers. Hang on to it. That's how victory and triumph comes. Amen to that? Amen. Amen to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for this day. And I just pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord God, that words that come from me are th- or through me are from you. And, Lord God, that each person can collect these things, Lord, and that, uh, that Lord God, that uh, your triumph and victory would be uh, just uh, uh, in everybody's heart. And Father, I just pray that instead of in life we looking at ourselves, that we look to you for all the answers. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on behalf of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.